Hey, Airbnb hosts, Natalie here. You already hear me every Wednesday on No Vacancy, the podcast, but I've decided to add a bonus episode at the last Friday of every month called Airbnb Advice Column. Every month, I'll ask you to submit your questions, pick three to five that I think most of you could benefit from, and those will go in here. So sit back, enjoy this monthly bonus episode, and thank you for writing in your questions to Airbnb Advice Column. XOXO, Natalie. Hey, host, you know that brand new couch that you just bought for your listing? Oh, and the bed and the mattress and all your high quality linens and that whole outdoor furniture set. Did you know that you could have saved up to 40, 50 or even 60% on those? There's no catch and there's no cost. All there is is Minoan. As a host, you can sign up to Minoan's group pricing option for free and start shopping from over 200 of your favorite home furnishing brands. It's as easy as instead of adding to cart on the brand's website, add it to cart via the Minoan Chrome extension and watch the discounts start adding up. We all know that design and quality are essential for standing out as hosts in today's market, and nothing makes that easier than shopping via Minoan. I don't have to sacrifice quality for price with Minoan. I get the best products at the best pricing. Find the link in my show notes to get started and never pay full price again. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday and welcome back to another episode of No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. Around here, the last Friday of every month means it is Airbnb advice column day. So I will be answering questions that you guys submitted. Normally, I just take any question short term rental related, whatever, whatever is on your mind. This Friday, however, I have decided to only take questions that were related to co-hosting. Uh, This week, I was able to speak at the STR Nation conference in San Diego, and I was on the co-hosting arbitrage panel. And since then, I have gotten so many questions in my DMs and just from speaking to you guys at the conference after that panel and just answering a ton of co-host questions. So I figured since this seems to be a very pressing front of mind topic right now, we are just going to only take co-hosting questions today. I don't know if you can hear that my voice is a little bit raspy. Like I said, I was at a conference this week and those just always seem to drain my voice. We've had two episodes already where I had to have a guest take over because I completely lost my voice post-conference. So luckily this isn't that bad, but I do feel just a little like croaky right now. Uh, Anywho, for those of you that I did get to meet in San Diego this week, it was such a pleasure talking to you guys. Um, A ton of you told me that you subscribed to the podcast as soon as my panel finished. And so to all the new listeners out there, welcome. Uh, Thank you so much, Patrick and Stephanie, for having me this week. And if you are a new listener and you came from STR Nation, go back and listen to Stephanie's episode number 66 and Patrick's episode number 38. All right, let's start off with this question from Heather. She said, how do you find co-hosting clients when you have no hosting experience? So this is the chicken and the egg question, right? Uh, It seems like the people who most want to get into co-hosting want to do so because they don't have the means to purchase property right now. So this seems like the foot in the door in the industry. And it is, but it is so hard to find an owner that is going to trust you with 20% of their revenue when you have no experience. And so it just is easier for people who are already owning and operating their own property or maybe doing arbitrage on something. It's just so much easier for those people to get co-host clients. So it it is a little bit tricky because the people who want to do co-hosting the most, it seems like are the people that have no experience and 
the people who are more likely to get the co-hosting gigs are the people who already own and might not need to get into co-hosting. So it is tricky. This is my best advice to you if you are starting from zero experience. Come in with another type of offer. It might seem like this is kind of a distraction and it's going to take you off course from ultimately wanting to co-host, but this is just really what I have found seems to be the best way to just establish that relationship with the very first owner. Come in and advertise yourself as somebody who will receive all of the packages, all of the furniture that's getting shipped over to their house during the delivery process. Be the person that's going to receive all of that, offer to assemble their IKEA furniture, whatever it is. Be the person to put it together and stage it. And maybe if you're local, you can offer to connect them with a great photographer. Anything like that you can think of, like be the person to help with the setup stage. And this is just such a good way to start getting that relationship with the owner without scaring them off. Because what I've seen a lot of times is if you come in immediately with, I want to be your property manager, your co-host, I want to take 20%, new owners and investors just shut that down. They've ran their numbers and 20% is a huge chunk to give away. So if you're coming in with that pitch, they are just going to shut it down right away and, and run off. But if you can come in with a different service that's truly helpful and really over deliver on that and charge, charge for that. Don't do this for free. If you're going to be there to receive all the packages, charge for that. Charge a fair rate. But it is a good way to make some extra money. And I think if you can over deliver on that and then start having a great relationship with the owner, it is much easier to incrementally be like, yeah, so once this place is listed, like who is going to be responding to the guests if they message at 2 a.m.? Who is going to schedule the cleaners? Uh, you know, if the guest tells you something's broken, who who is going to be scheduling that repair? So many investors are thinking that they're going to self-manage just because they're scared to give that commission away. But as soon as you start asking these questions, a lot of investors realize, oh, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. So if you are very educated in the industry, you've been listening to podcasts, reading the books, going to conferences, doing all the things, you just don't actually have experience operating a place yet, this is probably my favorite strategy of getting involved. And you can do any sort of service. It doesn't have to just be receiving packages and assembling furniture. Be a muralist. Be a photographer. Honestly, if you're already a realtor, that's a great connection. Um, if you are their lender, there might be some, you know, tricky ethical questions to like, don't, don't just say that you're a photographer just to try and get your foot in the door here. Like you actually need to be a good photographer. But the point I'm making is you probably have some sort of skill set. Maybe you're just really good at setting up the Airbnb listing or setting up their pricing for them. Come in with what you genuinely are good at. Be honest about it. Don't just, again, offer to be somebody's like muralist if you have no effing idea how to paint a mural. Be honest with this. Be ethical about it. Really try to deliver on that service. There's no guarantee that this is going to go into anything further. But this is just my favorite way personally to start that relationship with an investor, prove your work ethic, get it going, show that you have expertise here, and then inch that way in. And the other thing I want to mention here, you only have to do this for pretty much the first deal. If you really like painting murals and you want to continue being a muralist after that and getting co-hosting clients as you go, more power to you. But this is really 
only for the first deal. The first deal is always the hardest. And as soon as you have that experience on one property, it is so much easier to close future owners. But no owner wants to be the guinea pig of your management services. So that's why I really like this strategy for somebody who is coming in with zero experience. Just do this, come in with that side offer until you close the one and start performing for them. Next, we have Carly who asked, should I co-host or arbitrage? Me, personally, I don't do arbitrage and I honestly don't love the model. I've seen it work for people. I'm not knocking anyone who does arbitrage in any way. I think that it's a great way to get started, especially bouncing off of our previous question. If you have no experience but you can't afford to buy a property, it is hard to get an owner to trust you as a co-host. So sometimes just getting in an arbitrage deal and not having to work with an owner is much easier and it's a much cheaper option than having to own a property. So I think it's a great way to get your start. I don't I don't love it. I don't love it because to me, arbitrage has always felt like the worst of both worlds. As an owner, and to me, owning is the ideal. That's really where you build wealth and you get to call the shots and it's your property. and You don't have a landlord or a co-hosting relationship you have to deal with. So to me, ownership has always been the ideal. But of course, the cons are it's expensive to get into. You're the one with all the burden of paying taxes, paying utilities, property taxes, tourist taxes. All of that is remitted from you and your repairs come from you. The design, the entire risk falls on you as the owner. So right with ownership, the pro is it's yours, it's wealth building, it's wealth generating, but you take on all of the risk. With co-hosting, you take on none of the risk. You only make money when the owner makes money. It's much more flexible. You have none of the startup costs, anything like that. The owner incurs all expenses. All you get to do is walk away with commission. However, it's not truly a wealth building tool. You'll generate cash flow and that's about it. You don't get any of the benefits of real estate. Arbitrage, like I said, it's the worst of both worlds to me because you still have the monthly payment that you would if you're owning property and you have a mortgage. You're still paying every single month the master lease on that property. So you only profit after you've covered that. So it's much riskier than co-hosting where you have none of the expenses. You still do have to pay rent every month. You're paying to furnish it. Uh, any refunds for the guests or anything like that come out of your pocket. But you get none of the benefits that you do from ownership. None. You're not putting in towards your own equity. You're not building up your own real estate portfolio. You're not able to do the tax benefits of owning real estate. You don't get any of that. But you still have the overhead that an owner would. And even if you don't have to work as closely with the landlord as you do in a co-hosting relationship where you and the owner are more so partners, even if you're not working as closely with the landlord, that relationship is still there. You can't really do whatever you want with the property. There's still somebody who ultimately owns it and is going to have a say on things. You can't just like add these amenities willy-nilly, um, throw in a hot tub if you need to increase your ADR. Like You have to run everything by the landlord ultimately. So it just seems like the worst of both worlds to me. That's That's honestly my thought. Now, are there hundreds of people doing arbitrage that have had great success? Yes, of course. Like, you can be absolutely profitable with this. You can go back and listen to episode 31 of the podcast with Kira Castleberry, and she breaks down her entire arbitrage portfolio and how well it's worked for her. So, you know my opinion on this. I prefer co-hosting over arbitrage, but I want you to do what's right for you. 
And you're that's just something you're going to know in your gut. As you're listening to the breakdown of these strategies and consuming different information and different people who have had success doing it differently, I think there's going to be a certain strategy that you personally resonate with more. And honestly, go for that one. You will you will never get started if you're here overanalyzing exactly the perfect way to do it. So your question, Carly, long rambling answer, should I co-host or arbitrage? I don't know. Which one do you want to do? What market are you in? What's the relationship with the owner going to be? Just please make sure if you are going to go the arbitrage route, please make sure that you can actually consistently cover the cost of the lease and still be profitable. If you're doing all of this just to break even, you know, by two or 300 bucks a month, it is so not worth the effort you're going to put in. Our next question comes from Julie, who said, I have so many mindset issues around selling myself as a co-host. What is your advice for confidently pitching yourself to owners? Okay, I love this question. And actually, in my coaching program, we spend so much time on this and how to have confidence around this. This is what I always say. You really need to reframe the mindset as a co-host. You are not coming in and taking 20% of an owner's earnings you are creating an additional 20% of revenue for them. Please get that through your head. Let me say this again and sit with this. This needs to sink in. You are not taking 20% of the owner's revenue. You are creating an additional 20% of revenue. If you feel like you cannot confidently do that and you are just coming in to just scoop up 20%, that is where these mindset issues around selling yourself come in. I am so confident pitching myself to my owners because I genuinely feel it is a disservice for me to not pitch my services. It is unfair to the owner. I so confidently believe in myself that I will generate them 20% if not more what they can make. I so confidently believe that that it feels unethical for me to not tell them how I can help them. Genuinely feel that way. The owners that I work with, they have no experience with pricing, don't know how to set up an Airbnb listing. They don't know the amenities that will convert. They don't have the customer service skills to talk to guests professionally. They don't have the time. If they have full-time jobs, they are not going to be calling Airbnb and filing claims and trying to get reimbursements for things. They will lose money doing it on their own. I so, so fully believe that, that I feel I am I, I am helping them. It is my ethical duty as a co-host to sell somebody my services. I so confidently believe that. That is the mindset shift that you have to make. And we do go through this in my coaching program. So if that is something you're struggling with, I will drop the link to apply to get into the next round of my coaching program. I'll put that link for the application in the show notes. This is a huge thing that we talk about a lot, but this to me is where the transformation happens. So I will say one more time and just sit with this and write it down if you are struggling with this. You are not taking 20% of an owner's revenue, you're creating an additional 20% for them. Question number four from Hazel. Oh, I love the name Hazel. Hazel said, I found a great owner and property to work with, but they are only interested in hiring me on for a flat fee per reservation. I really wanted commission, but am I being too picky? You are not being too picky, girlfriend. Commission only commission only. I I would never, ever, ever co-host for a flat rate. And what you need to express to the owners very clearly is that 
a flat fee model, they, they want to do this because they think they're going to save money. This will cost them. This will 100% cost them. So let's just say, for example, they decide that they want to charge you, uh, I don't know, $100 per reservation. $100 per reservation. That's what they want to do. As soon as that is the arrangement, the entire incentive structure gets skewed. When you are commission-based, you are a partner to the owner. You guys have the same exact goal. The goal is generate as much revenue as possible. You guys have the exact same goal. And if that comes from more bookings, if that comes from fewer bookings but a higher nightly rate, if that comes from longer bookings, it doesn't matter. You guys both win when more revenue is made. That's what happens with a commission-based structure. If you are only getting paid a flat fee per reservation, what are your suggestions going to start to be? And it's not even because you're trying to like take more money from the owner or screw them over or anything. But if you only get paid per reservation, when they are in their low occupancy season, are you going to make any sort of effort to get them a 30-day booking? No. For a hundred bucks, absolutely not. Absolutely not. You are you personally would be better off with them making two reservations, having only two weekends booked in their entire slow season. Right? That's 200 bucks. But if you get them a 30-day booking, that's 100 bucks for you. Which which option works out better for the owner though? Having four days booked, two weekends that are Friday and Saturday bookings, or an entire 30-day month booked? Which do you think the owner would prefer? Clearly they would rather have a 30-day booking if it's slow season than two random weekends and getting four nights that month. But you have a completely different incentive structure. You're not gonna make any effort to fill their slow season up, none. You're better off just leaving it, not even optimizing anything and just hoping you get at least two bookings in off season. Explain that to the owner. Explain that to the owner. It so, so, so skews the incentive structure and puts you guys at odds with each other. And that is not what you want. You and the co-host, the co-host and the owner need to be on the same page and need to be after the same exact goal. If you are paid by commission, you are going to bust your butt to get a 30-day booking filled in their slow season when short-term rentals are less likely to happen. You are going to bust your butt for that $3,000 reservation and you take 20% on that. And they should love you for that. In summer season, maybe, when they're booked like crazy and we're not talking about slow season, they might think, okay, we're just going to pay this girl 100 bucks per reservation. Are you going to make any effort to suggest better amenities for them, to optimize their pricing, to increase their SEO and their search ranking on Airbnb? No. It's summer. You know you're going to be fully booked anyway, and you get 100 bucks per reservation. So right now they're charging $200 a night on average, whatever. Doesn't matter to you. But if you were getting a commission based on revenue, wouldn't you want to go in and do all those things and get them better amenities, make better suggestions, refer them to a better photographer, be in there tweaking and optimizing their listing every single day, get them a higher nightly rate, and they might have the same occupancy, but now you're able to get them to $300 a night. Don't you think they'd rather pay 20% extra for that? They're making 80 bucks extra and you get 20. They should have no issue paying you. A commission. Absolutely none. This is something I'm so completely adamant about. I just, I truly believe a flat fee structure as a co-host, it, it's, it's actually hurting the owner in the long run. They're doing this because they think they're going to save money. It is 
it is hurting them. It is hurting them. They can't see it now, but this is going to hurt them. I'm so, so, so adamant on this. Like, you need to fight for getting that commission. Now, the only reason I would maybe still take the deal is if this is your first ever co-hosting situation and there's an opportunity right here, they will not budge on the commission thing, fine. Take the flat rate thing just so that it gives you a bit of experience that you can take to other owners. Honestly, I feel like I still wouldn't do it, but that's like the one caveat to this is if this is your first one, sometimes you got to make a little sacrifice at the beginning just to get your foot in the door, get get this whole business started, get your experience going. That is the only concession I would make here. But anybody who is already co-hosting or already owning, do not, do not take on an agreement like this. I really think that you just need to go to the owner and explain everything I just said. Play, play them this podcast. Just play them this and ask them genuinely in off season, do you want me to fight for you to get a 30 day rental or just leave it as is and hope that we get two bookings? And in high season, do you want me to just rely on the fact we're going to be 100% booked anyway? Or do you want me to actually get you a higher nightly rate? It should be very, very obvious which option here helps the owners make more money. Please, for the love of God, just just do a commission structure, please. And our last question comes from Samira, who said, should I be looking out of state for my co-hosting deals? I own and operate one already, and some neighbors have asked me to manage theirs, but I'm worried I'll be competing with my own listing. Great question. Okay, I've gotten this a lot because my entire backstory is how I got my start was my parents had a second home in Big Bear, which I started managing. From there, neighbors approached me asking if I could manage theirs before I even knew what the word co-hosting was, before I even knew any of this world. I was just like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm already doing it here. Why don't I just copy and paste what I've done for you? And I've gotten this question so many times. Weren't you nervous taking on neighbors' properties? Did you think it would compete with your own? No, no. Why does Hilton put up a new hotel somewhere and put 200 rooms in it? Are they worried that room 207 is competing with room 209? No, no. It's all going to get booked and all of the rooms are exactly identical. If a hotel is not worried, you should not be worried either. And especially in the case of short-term rentals, the 10 properties I manage are all designed very differently. We gave them each their own personality, their own look, their own style. So it, it's even less of this than the hotel example I just gave, where literally all 200 rooms look identical to each other. You are not going to outcompete yourself. Do not worry. In fact, it actually helps your property run better when you are benefiting from the economies of scale. Why are so many investors in our industry pursuing the boutique motel model right now? So many investors are buying boutique motels with 20 to 40 rooms in them. Do you think they would be doing that? Do you think that they would be raising all this capital and spending millions of dollars to invest in these motels if they thought that they were going to just cannibalize their own offer? No, you save so much money doing this. You're able to benefit from the economies of scale, having one cleaning team on payroll, have them hop around from property to property. If there's an issue with one room, you can so easily move people to another room. Uh, you can buy all of your decor and furnishings in bulk. You have one handyman that's able to tend to the entire place. Um, you can use the same pricing strategy for all of your listings because they're all in the same market, uh, same layout, very similar properties. You have such an advantage already by doing this on your own property. Share that with other owners. You are not going to compete with yourself. You are not. 
my one property that I own is actually performing so much better, so much more profitable because of all the co-hosting properties that we have around it. We used to pay our cleaners, I think like $120 per cleaning. We negotiated that down to, we pay 90 per cleaning right now because we gave them so much work in the same complex where all our properties are. We said, hey, you're getting 10 listings to clean. Let's talk it down. So we went down to 90 per cleaning. So on my own property that I own, I am saving money. I'm more profitable now. When I have to pay our runner or somebody to go drop off supplies, I am not just paying for my one property to get stocked. I may be paying a $30 drop-off fee and I'm dividing that by 10 different owners. I expense them and we each pay three bucks for delivery. There's so many benefits that you get from the economies of scale by doing this all together. Do not, do not have this fear at all. I promise this is actually such a huge advantage and your property that you own will perform better by taking on and managing the other surrounding properties. All right, we will leave it there for today. That is five questions we went through. If you guys want to hear more about co-hosting, I did an entire episode on this topic. It was episode number 11, so you can scroll back and find all about co-hosting. And if you really want more information, I'm going to plug my mentorship program one more time. I will have the application for that in the show notes below, and I'm opening another round in just about three weeks, like mid-October, mid to end October, we're opening another round. And we go through how to get co-hosting jobs. Um, The mentorship is for owners and co-hosts both. A lot of the strategies that we cover, uh, you can apply it to either co-hosting or ownership, but we specifically deep dive into how to find co-hosting clients, how to set up that relationship with the owner. We talk about what to put in your co-hosting contract, and you will actually get my exact co-hosting agreement in the mentorship. Oh, what else? We talk about, oh, we talk about how to capture clients from other existing bigger property management companies, how to go in and kind of poach those people for yourselves. We talk about breaking down the payment structures, all of the mistakes that I made when I started co-hosting so you know exactly what to avoid. Uh, We'll go through how to run a property analysis so you can show owners what they are leaving on the table, how much more potential they could be earning, and it makes it a lot easier to justify your rates. Like we said, you're not charging them 20%, you're creating an additional 20. So if you can do a property analysis on their current listing situation and show them that they should be making this much more and you are the gap to get them there, that's a huge way to sell yourself. Oh man, we talk about so much more beyond that, but I will quit rambling. I will drop the application link to get into my mentorship program. I'll put that in the show notes. Again, we are reopening in like mid to late October. So once we receive your application, if it seems like you're a good fit, I will just let you know next steps and we can book a call and make sure that you're the right fit for this program. So we're not selling you anything that isn't going to help you. Um, So yeah, I will drop that below. Thank you guys for tuning in today and I will see you next Wednesday. 